0: From Parkway Church in Corona, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We are coming to the end of our Ruthless Elimination of Hurry series. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28 to 30. That's our key verse or verses, and uh, we've been journeying through this idea that because of our hurried pace of life, we are not functioning as our best selves the way God designed, and we are actually dying a slow spiritual death. I read this statement recently that said, everything is bad for you, we're all dying, and being healthy is just dying more slowly, which is actually a sad reality when you think about it, um, but it's really negative. yeah, when I think about this pace of hurry that we have and what it does to us, our relationships, our relationship with God, our connection to God, our connection to the faith community here at the church, hurry is killing us slowly and we don't even really realize it. So kind of just to let uh, bring you up to speed on some things let me let me read you a couple quotes here. Uh, first is from Dallas willard he's a he's a old philosopher and Christian thinker, he said this, hurry is the great killer of spiritual life. The psychologist Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. C.S. Lewis said, hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. And the solution to all this, as we've been talking about, is the pace of, of our lord jesus of our god to slow down our life now i realize and we all realize that that's easier said than done that's why there's a practice to this called the rule of life which is a schedule and practices that you put in place and a set of life rhythms that help us create space and in our terms helps us create space to be with jesus and become like jesus and do what he would, would do if he were us so we spent the first week unpacking this idea of hurry, and you can go back and listen to that. I encourage you, if you missed it, to go back and listen to that. Um, And then we spent three weeks looking at different practices. And when I use that word practice, um, some of you will have used the word spiritual disciplines. That was a term and is a term that a lot of Christians use, spiritual disciplines. But its I don't want us to get just caught up thinking these are uber spiritual things. But they're just action steps that we put into place that help us um, uh, unhurry our life. So first we looked at silence and solitude. And this is the practice of taking time to be alone with God, taking the moments throughout our day. Secondly, we looked at sabbath and that word sabbath means to stop, to cease and it literally a 24-hour period to cease from all work. That's paid and unpaid to rest, to delight, to worship and resist hurry. And thirdly, Pastor Mitch discussed a couple weeks ago, the simple action of slowing, slowing your pace each day with just simple actions. And today we're gonna look at our final one. It's the last idea, very practical, is the idea of simplicity. And I got a quick verse for you. Paul said to the church in Ephesus, he said, we need to make the best use of time because the days are evil. We got one life on this earth. Let's make the best use of it by unhurrying our lives, putting into place some practices so we can be our best selves and so we can feel the most connected to our Father, to to Jesus and to the Spirit of God. So let me share with you this great invitation by Jesus, our key verse, then we'll get into it. We'll pray and then we'll get into it. And I want, as I read this, You know, maybe close your eyes and just hear this from the Lord this morning because this is more than just like a soothing saying that we say, but it's an invite into a way of life. So this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 from 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord, we just thank you for those words. And I pray that as we look at this today, as we finalize our discussion on this topic, that you would speak powerfully to us. And you would nudge us in a powerful way, Lord, as to actually put some of these things into practice to unhurray our lives. My desire for us, my desire for myself, and I know for many of us, is to become the person you want us to be, you designed us to be. To be more like you, to walk closer with you. And so help us to take on this invitation and not just look at it as a scripture that we can read, but an invitation to a way of patterning our lives. And so today, as we look at this one more time, Lord, bless, um, bless this, Lord, for Your purposes. That Your will be accomplished in us, and help us to not just be hearers, but also doers of Your Scripture. We love You, Jesus, and we pray this in Your name. Amen. So, whenever uh, my wife Jody and I, whenever we're driving around, you know, the Saint Clair area, going down Courtright Line or Moore Line, these kind of county country roads we can't help but look at a farm and just daydream about what it would be like to live on a farm I don't know if anybody's with us at all but but we look at farms as we're yeah you are yeah we look at farms and we can't help but go like oh look look at that one check that one out oh that's so nice and then we kind of just like oh wouldn't it be great to have all that space and you know the kids can run and be free we don't have to worry about you know anything like you know neighbors right next door, and we could have chickens because we're not in Sarnia. And in Sarnia you can, but St. Clair, they're mean to us, and they don't let us do that, but we can just, like, you know, maybe hobby farm. And, and there's just this, all these things that we kind of dream about, and really in, in the crux of it all is this idea of a, of a simple life. You know, it's this, not, not easy, but, but simple. And so, so what I'm really saying is that if you, if you have a farm and you don't have kids, feel free to write me into your will. You know, I'm just going to throw that out there if you want. Don't actually do that, I don't actually do that. <laughs> but it's this idea of, of, of a simple life that drives us to kind of daydream about what it would be like to live on a, on a farm. And I think it's the simple life or the idea of a simple life that, that pushes us to work so hard. That we are, we're, we are aspiring to work hard so that one day we can live a, a simple, carefree uh, life without worry or care. But what if that was available to us now, we've just been looking at it all wrong? What if we bought into, and I believe we have, this cultural way of thinking that is wrapped up in consuming, that the more that we consume, the happier we actually are, right? If I could just progress a little bit more, I'll be able to live carefree. So Jesus had a lot to say about this. I wanna read you a couple of scriptures. He had a lot to say about this idea of, of accumulating more, of consuming more. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, watch out. So this is pretty, pretty powerful words he's using here. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. So he calls it out. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And Jesus, that's a really tough one. That's a really tough one. Matthew chapter six, verse 25, he says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. How many of us worry about what we wear? Is your life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, what's funny is he's giving a command here. This is not a suggestion. He's saying, do not worry about your life. But these are the very things that I worry about. Like paying the bills and having enough food for, you know, clothing for our kids. We got young kids. We got kids that are growing. You know, you get them a pair of shoes and two seconds later, they they need a new pair. Like literally two seconds later, it's like, these are the things that I worry about. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word the seeds that God has spoken to us making it unfruitful the desire for other things like these are the words of Jesus finally mark chapter 10 verse 25 it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of god so our culture says you know progress consume, advance, and you'll be carefree. You'll be happier if you just had like that. But Jesus is alluding to that more doesn't mean happy. More possessions, more abundance, more does not mean happy. And riches actually tend to make it harder, not impossible, but harder for us to experience Jesus, to experience him, to experience God. Now, if we start to actually take Jesus on as a teacher and not just a savior, like someone who, who teaches us how we're to live, it's, it's this stuff, it's the wealth, it's the money, it's the be- possessions that I think are most difficult for us in the West. Now, for, for many of us, we may not even agree with Jesus. We may, we may think that this, I don't even agree with that. Maybe, maybe we do agree. I think probably a lot of us are here. We do agree, but not in action. We don't actually live this out. And here's the scary part, and this is where the water gets a little murky, is if I don't agree with the teachings of Jesus, then I don't actually believe in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Like, the gospel that says the life you've always wanted is fully available to you in Jesus, right? Not your income level, not your possessions, not your stage of life, not your relationship status, but regardless of all that, in Jesus, you can have what you deeply long for. The things that are driving you to consume are actually satisfied in him. So maybe, just maybe, we've been actually believing in and living with another gospel. And it's not the biblical gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of Western culture. It's the gospel of the West. And it makes the claim that the more you have, the happier you will be. And and many of us are probably thinking, well, I don't think like, I don't want to be like a millionaire, but if I just had a little bit. That's the the gospel of the West. If you just got a little bit more, you'll be happier. And all of us have battled this at one point. You know, I just got to get that new pair of shoes feel good, I feel better now, I got the new pair of shoes, or upgrade the phone, my phone's wearing out, doesn't take pictures the same way, you know, the battery life, I got to plug it in all the time, oh, woe is me, life is so hard, right, sorry, buy the new whatever and you'll feel better, sell your home and get the dream house, work your way up to that promotion, which I'm not saying that's wrong, you know, get the raise, live on the farm, (laughs) buy the water. French sociologist, Jean Bardrillard, he made this comment of the West. He said, materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. Atheism hasn't replaced Christianity, shopping has. The opposite of faith is not atheism, it's shopping. It's consuming. We get our meaning in life by what we consume. And for a lot of us, these are not just things anymore. These things that we consume have become our identity, right? If we were to separate ourselves from them, we would actually feel pain because they've become us. Consumerism has replaced religious observance in the West. Amazon is our new shrine. Lifestyle bloggers are our new pastors. Money is the God, and did you know that the only God that Jesus actually names in the scripture is Mammon, the God of money? So this shift from from a religious observance to consumerism um, came about as our culture progressed. So about 100 years ago, most people were actually farmers. Most people lived a more simpler life, not... Easy, it was hard, but it was simpler. Most people lived off the land and they traded with people, and money was rarely used, if at all. But now it's completely flipped. You don't see people trading as much anymore. Industrialization progressed significantly during the world wars, and the economy was reshaped around consumerism. The entire Advertising industry is based off of shaping and capitalizing on our desire to consume. We buy more stuff that we don't need. We buy stuff, we buy things that we don't need. Mark Twain said this. He said, civilization is the limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. Richard Foster said, we in the West are guinea pigs in one huge economic experiment in consumption. And here's the crux of it all. The more that I'm consuming, the more I possess, the more I progress, the more I strive to get these things in order to be happy, I'm not actually happy. I'm not actually more happy. We have more of everything except happiness. Happiness. And what it's doing is this mentality has bled itself into spirituality, into our faith. Now you've probably heard me say this before because I feel like out of everything I say, I say this a lot, is that in the church as followers of Jesus, we have adopted consumer Christianity. We have a consumer faith. We no longer look at church and God as something that we invest our life into, but it's something that we consume from. When it doesn't go our way, when the pastor doesn't preach what we want him to preach, when the service isn't orchestrated the way we like it, we go and find another thing, right? We go to a different restaurant. We're, I don't like how this restaurant services, so I'm gonna go find a different restaurant. I don't like the food that's being served here, so I'm gonna go dine at a different one. I like this one. I want steak. I don't want, you know hot dogs. That one's serving hot dogs. And that's how we treat church. In fact, there's even this idea now that you don't even need church. And while that's relatively true, you do not need to be a follower of Jesus and be a part of the church. Relatively speaking, that's kind of not biblical because the Bible talks about how Jesus died for and loved his church, that he is the head of the church and the church is his body. And so to say, I don't need church, you're, 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 speaking against the things that Jesus died for here. Consumerism has replaced spirituality. More, get, all these things are the engine for hurry sickness. Every single thing that you buy and you consume not only costs you more money, but it costs you time. And it's suffocating us. And it's rewiring our brain to function at speeds that we were not designed for. The teachings of Jesus are quite literally the polar opposite of consumer culture, of the gospel of the West, that we tend to live and breathe and find our being in. You know, the scriptures say that we are to live and breathe and find our being in the Lord, yet we find it in consumer culture. Jesus said this, he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, that's a really nice thing to say And I think most of us would agree with it, but how many of us have practiced that? That it's more blessed. You want the blessed life? Don't go consuming more things. Don't go striving to get more. Give, live generously. That's what what Jesus says will bring you a blessed life. And all measure of resource, not just money, all measure of resource, time, energy, talent. Jesus said this, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say you should not, he said you cannot, not ever. And this isn't just like a command, this is an observation, right? He's not saying, hey, you, you, this, you don't do this. He's saying, it's impossible. I've, I've seen it played out. You cannot serve. You, either you serve one or the other. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, how do I know? Well, which one gets more of your time and attention? That's the one you serve. Now you can work a, you know, an a eight, nine, 10, 12 hour job. You're thinking, man, I work every day for nine hours. How am I, you know, I can't give nine hours of attention to God. Well, you can do that for God. You can do that and honor God. And here's how you know. When you receive your income, do you tithe off of it? Do, do you give your first fruits back to God? Well, oh, don't go here, pastor. I'm going there. Do you, do you set aside a portion of your income? Those are scripture things, New Testament things. Do you recognize that the income you've received, the things that you've received is a gift from God? It all belongs to him and comes from him. So how do you know you're serving God or money? When he gifts it to you, do you give with it? Are you generous with it? Do you use it to serve him and his people and the world? Or do you use it for yourself? Now, I understand that we live in a culture of commodity and money is a commodity. We need money in order to eat food and pay bills. I get that, that's not what I'm saying. Let's say you can't do that. Which one do you serve? Now, some of you might say too, you know, if if I just get more, I'm just waiting until I get a little bit more. Once I reach this level, then I start. And that is statistically not true. The more you get, the harder it is to give. Statistically in Canada, the more money you have, the less generous you are. So in fact, according to Canadian statistics, the poorer you are, the more generous you are. not that crazy? It's another one Jesus said. Again, I've already read this. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, meaning you will not experience all that life has to offer by attempting to satisfy your infinite desire of more. You'll come up empty and short. Last one, Jesus said this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So don't invest all your time and energy in things that rust and go out of style and get worn out. Instead, invest in things that matter like life in God's kingdom. So here's the question, everybody, is what if we actually started taking the teachings of Jesus more seriously? What if prosperity preachers have it all wrong? They do. What if the most satisfying life-giving thing we can do is not consume more, but actually consume less? What if living like Christ did, simpler, brought more meaning? What if the answer to everything that we've been talking about, unhurrying our lives, taking on the peace of Jesus in order to have true fulfillment from a relationship with God was just simplifying life? So Pastor Mitch, uh, two weeks ago, as he was talking about slowing, he, he made this statement that this idea of living a simpler life, like practically living it out, is the door to everything that we've discussed. So living simpler means I begin to slow down. And as I begin to slow down, it gives me room to Sabbath well. And as I Sabbath well, that creates opportunity for silence and solitude. It's almost like there's a formula to this. So the question remains, how do we start? Where do we go from here? And this is the practice of simplicity. Some call it Simple living or the buzzword that our society has grabbed onto is minimalism. Now I'm not saying that you need to sell everything and go and live in a tiny house in a field. Although I kind of like those shows, you know, sometimes I think, how could I do this? Like, yeah, there's a, for me at least, me and Jody, there's like a alert to this. Then we're like, wait, we have three kids and a dog and a cat, I don't know if it'll work, but I watched a documentary once of this guy who had everything that he owned in a backpack minus his bike, and he was a businessman. And he was a sharp dresser. Like like suit dresser. And I'm like, man, this is miraculous. Like this I don't even know how you do that. I can't I hang my suits up and they still get wrinkly. I hang my clothes like I try everything and it doesn't work. And somehow he did it. Simplicity is not about living in poverty with no freedom to enjoy material things. It's not that at all. It isn't about living with nothing, it's about living with less. It's not about spring cleaning and organizing and, you know, Marie Kondoing your life, although that's a great step and a good start. Here's what one man said. He said, the intentional, it is the intentional promotion of things we value most and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. Richard Foster again, he said, simplicity is the inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle by choosing to leverage time, money, talents, and possessions toward what matters most. So here it is, it's not about your money, it's not about your stuff, it's actually about your life. So I wanna give you, um, this is super practical, I wanna give you 12 steps, 12 principles for simplicity. And I'm gonna close with this and you can begin to write these down. And just so you know, we're gonna post these later on social media just in case you don't get opportunity to see them all. Number one is before you buy, ask what is the true cost? What is the true cost? Um, money, but also the time to maintain, to clean, to repair, to ensure the energy that goes into all that, the the family time that's sacrificed, measure the hurry, not just the, the cost of the item, measure the hurry. Before you buy, ask what is the true cost? Number two, before you buy, ask yourself, by buying this, am I oppressing the poor or harming the earth? Now this one may actually strike a chord because often the things that are the most helpful for the most marginalized, and the earth, they cost more money. And I, can I just be authentic here? I have a really hard time with this one because I'm so cheap, okay? Just being real. But think of things like polyester, which never ever um, breaks down. It's non-biodegradable. It forever exists, but it's in most of our clothing. Think of all the items in your home that have been made unjustly which is probably really hard and probably includes a lot of things. But before you buy, am I pressing the poor or harming the earth? Number three is never impulse buy. Think of how much we spend and consume in the spur of a moment. So think it through. Sit on it for a few days, maybe a week, maybe even a month, and then take a look at it then. Number four is when you buy opt for fewer, better things. Sometimes this means living without for a while until you can save up and afford the thing that's a little bit more quality. You know, for us, for example, the one thing that I think of practically is we, we love smoothies in our home. We blend a lot of things and we've ran through a lot of blenders. We tend to have bought cheap ones, but then we're replacing them every year or two years, and we're spending a lot of money on these things that are going now into a landfill somewhere. And so we chose, when we needed to replace the last one, is to invest in a one that had like a seven-year warranty. It was a little cost a little bit more money, but in the end, it saves and it doesn't create more waste. Number five, when you can share. This is. Quite literally, the practice of the early church. They shared their possessions. And the crazy thing about this is, is you cannot do this without community. Or you cannot do this without others. You, what do you have that you can lend to others? What do you have that you can let someone else borrow? Or what do others have that they can lend to you? Like, do you know a guy? I know a guy. I got somebody for that, right? You, are you the guy? When you can, share. Number six, get in the habit of giving things away. If you want a more blessed life, give generously, regularly. Get in the habit of giving things away. This is a principle of Christ. Number seven is live by a budget. And I'm shocked by how many people don't actually do this. Live by a budget, a budget is to your money what a schedule is to your time. It's a way to to make sure that your treasure, which for most of us is our money, is going into the right places. You will spend more money on things that you don't need if you don't budget, if you don't know where your money is. And you'll spend less money on things that actually value. Um, If you're trying to figure out how to tithe, budgeting is very helpful. Number eight, is learn to enjoy things without owning them. Coffee shop, the park bench, the beach. There are things in life that can can bring joy and can help us rest and slow down and consume less by just enjoying what's available for free. Number nine is build an appreciation for creation. For those of you who are vampires, the outdoors is actually really good for the soul. Like vitamin D is a gift from God. In fact, we have a vitamin D deficiency problem in, our, in the West world, I'll, I'll say. Vitamin D is great for your health. Get outside, enjoy the sunshine. It's supposed to be a nice day today, I think. Get outside, enjoy God's creation. Appreciate God's creation, soak it in. Get off your phone for a bit, put it down. Turn off the television walk off the couch, go for a walk. I know that sounds really stressful for many of you, but you'll find life in it. Build an appreciation for creation. Number 10. Three more. Cultivate a deep appreciation for the simple pleasures. Sometimes it's the th- simple things that pay huge dividends, like for those of you who love a good cup of coffee in the morning. You know, maybe wake up a little bit earlier, like 10 minutes early, get your cup of coffee, and just, just sit, don't turn on your phone, don't turn on the TV, just drink your cup of coffee and enjoy the simple things, a sunrise, maybe a good conversation, pick up the phone, give somebody a call, video call if you want, You know, have a porch visit, whatever you gotta do. It's the little things, you know? Number 11 is recognize advertising for what it is, propaganda. It's misleading you to believe that a life of consumption will make you happier. It is a lie. It is a lie. And number 12, and finally, is lit a cheerful, happy revolt against the spirit of materialism. The spirit of materialism. So think of it this way. And we're gonna talk about this probably in the next few weeks a little bit in our next series. But we, we live in a physical realm, but there's a spiritual realm that exists all around us. And... Materialism isn't just a thing that we do, but there is a spirit, there's a demonic entity that exists uh, behind that. Fight against that. Fight against that spirit of materialism. It was said that St. Francis of Assisi and his followers did this. They saw Jesus' message of simplicity as one and the same as his message for joy, that joy comes from living the simple life. Now, again, if you missed those, I'm going to post those. We're going to post those later for you on social media. Someone once said this, in everything, love simplicity. Now, simplicity isn't the answer, but it's a helpful step moving us towards the pace of Jesus. So let me kind of wrap up everything that we've been kind of discussing over the past few weeks. The, the main idea to eliminate hurry in our lives is to to take on the pace of Christ and to do what he would do if he were us. Like, what would Jesus do if he were me? If he had my income level, my relationship status, my life, my career, what would he do? And so we take silence and solitude and we take Sabbath and slowing and simplicity and we create this rule of life to unhurry our lives. Now, here's the reality. I'm gonna close in a second. I'm gonna pray this out. These, this is a really nice talk, really practical over the past you know, five weeks. And you may be sitting there being like, this is good stuff, but if you don't actually do anything with it, it's, it's meaningless. You now, James says that we are often hearers of the word, but not doers. So let us not just become hearers of it, but let us actually put it into practice. So the great invitation by Jesus in Matthew 11 is an invitation to take on, to do these things. So what are you gonna do? Like, what is your next action step? If you could, you know, here's my homework for you. The moment this service ends, I just want you to think for five minutes and maybe write down, what is one step I'm gonna do? Maybe, let's, let's do three. I'm gonna push you. You can do more than one. Right? It's, it's easy. What are three action steps I can do to unhurry my life, to take on the pace of Jesus? We talked about four different practices, lots of things in there. What is something you can do to take on the pace of Jesus? I want you to bow your heads and I want to read this one more time this invitation by Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, because I believe that the scriptures have power. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks through the scriptures. And I believe that as we read them, there's power behind that. So just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to hear this once again, and then I'll close this in prayer. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ. Lord, we thank you that you lived and you modeled for us a life worth worth emulating. And I pray that we would look at your teachings on consumption, on more, and we would actually take them seriously. You would help us to simplify our lives in order that we would consume less. Lord, we've bought into a gospel, Lord, that is not biblical. Convict us as individuals and lead us into repentance and help us to accept your way of life that is truly countercultural to our society, to to our culture, Lord, to Lampton, to St. Clair, to Sarnia, wherever it is we're tuning in from. Help us to live as Jesus lived. Help us to unhurry our lives so that we can become the best version of ourselves, the selves, Lord, you designed us to be. God, we bless you. We thank you for your word. Lord, everyone within the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, would you just impact and would you touch? Would you let your love be known, God? Would you show your grace and extend your mercy as only you can? We bless you, God. This is all for your glory. It's all for your namesake. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. In case you forgot. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.